YouTube channel. And today we're talking about Gone West, Three Narratives of After Death. Now, what I've been doing before on live streaming on my YouTube channel, and also before I forget, please subscribe, hit the bell, put a like, uh, thumbs up on the comments, and share if, if, you know, if you're interested in this. But today we're going to talk about when it's a three narratives of after death, meaning not after near death experiences. This is after death. And this was done by a medium, J.S.M. Lord. And today I'm going to go through more of the introduction of the book. And this is not and what I've done in the past about near death experiences. I've interpreted them via the doctrine of spiritism. And let me show you what I say about that. So spiritism was codified by Allan Kardec in the 1850s. And what he did is he said a series of 1,019 questions to mediums throughout Europe. And he did not use the answers until multiple mediums had the same or very similar answers. And from that came more books. He, he wrote the mediums book, the gospel according to spiritism. And then there's been other spiritist mediums who continue on telling us all about the spirit world. And the basis of the spiritist doctrine really is the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But they've told us so much more than that. They've told us that we are reincarnated, that we live life after life in our quest to become pure spirits, that we that our trials and tribulations on earth are pre-planned. Why are they pre-planned? So they can elicit responses from us to mold, to mold and change and modify our character and personality for the better. This is why kind of bad things happen to you and sometimes good things happen to you. And, the, and sometimes just new experiences happen to you. This is the reason for your life as it is. And the more you understand the spirit world, the process of the spirit world, the organization of the spirit world, that, that karma, that karma dictates what our next life will be, that our karma from our previous life has heavily influenced this life and our next life is going to be heavily influenced by what we do this life. And, and I go on in, in my books all about heaven and below what you are as a spirit, because that's what you are for the majority, the vast majority of your immortal life. You are immortal. And when you die, let me tell you this right now, you are who you are. And when you are in the spirit world, thought is action. Now, what I'm going to do in this, I'm going to compare and contrast what others have said about the spirit world. And it's very interesting because there's always different, you know, points of view and some things that sound completely different, but really they're, they're quite similar. So let's, let's carry on to what we're going to go. And I'm just going to really, today we're going to talk more about uh, how he got into this and some of his kind of summary of the spirit world. Now this was, this was done by J.S.M. Ward. Uh, he was a late scholar and freeman of Trinity Hall in Cambridge. And so let me go through the foreword a little bit. And this is by Connor McDary Jr. And he said, you know, discussions concerning after death, stage was the end by the well-known pronouncement that nobody ever came back to tell me, right? He says, in Gone West, we have the answer because J.S.M. Ward did just that. He visited the astral plane regularly, retained his consciousness while there. His book is a fascinating record of his experiences among the so-called dead. And he describes some of the dangers existing on the astral plane in the form of evil who endeavor to incise occupants, especially newcomers, to yield the, the indulgence of liquor, sex, and other sensuous 
vices in which they had participated while on earth. And this is still true. Spiritism tells us the same thing. When a spirit moves over, and if they're, they were an alcoholic, they still want alcohol. Now, they may not be able to get alcohol themselves, but they'll go next to a living person and urge that person to drink, and they'll, they'll kind of absorb, and they'll, they'll, they'll bring in that feeling of alcohol. Same thing with any other addiction. He goes on to say in the foreword, these evil entities who, as a rule, are former earth inhabitants, urge all among whom they mingle to practice the obsession of mortals and thus help to swell the ranks of the forces of evil. Again, spiritism tells us the same thing. The, the spirits on the lower zone, those who don't go into one of the levels of heaven, are, you know, they're on this earth for their own enjoyment, and it's not for our benefit, it's for their benefit, because they are usually materialistic and selfish people who retain that characteristic when they are in that place. So let us carry on with the introduction. So now let's go to, let's go to, um, what the author himself said. The manner in which these communications came to receive is plainly set forth in the book itself. They were due to the desire of HJL, he just gave us the initials, to convey to me, this is the author speaking, an account of life beyond the grave. He discovered that I was mediumistic, a fact of which I was unaware, although I have for many years been keenly interested in the occult. The methods employed in conveying information contained in this book were twofold. Visions, the first of these were prophetic, and foretold H.J.L.'s death. The first one after his death was very vivid, though at first I thought it was a dream, but nevertheless wrote it down. As these visions continually re were regular once a week on the day of the week on which H.J.L. died, he died on a Monday, I was compelled to alter my views. In particularly, I noticed Four chief differences. This is differences than, than having confusing uh, visions or dreams. First, they were coherent throughout. One of the most unsatisfactory features of dreams is the incoherency. Second, a normal dream fades almost at once. It is really the case that it can be remembered in its entirety a few hours later. The visions remained firmly impressed upon my mind until they were written down which sometimes took a couple of days. Now, what we know then is when people even have visions or dreams, the spirit world can decide, do you remember it or don't you remember it? And he, it was very interesting. He says, I remember it until I wrote it down and then they would just kind of, you know, go away. This is the spirit world was encouraging him to remember these things so he could write them down and write this book. Third, the information was not due to the conscious or subconscious mind, for much of it was in violent opposition to my preconceived ideas on the subject, and it would be some time before I would accept them, though I do now completely. Again, this is, you know, this I see this as a truism. The same thing with Reverend G. Val Owen, who was a medium and started writing, this is, he was a, uh, he said he was a spiritualist, but he was everything he talked about. And in fact, I, I show in my book, Heaven and Below. And it's the first of, of three books. Oh, let me get this up here. It's the first of three books. 
And a lot of it's all information from the Reverend G. Val Owen, who was in the early 1900s on the same time as this other book. And it was talked to by many various spirits all about the different levels of heaven. There's so much information in this. That's why I wrote a series of three books, Heaven and Below, Spirit and the Spirit Universe, and How We Are Guided by Spirits. It gives you concrete information of what is awaiting you when you pass over. And it's not a it's not a huge deal. I know it's a huge deal for your family and your friends who don't understand that when you're relieved of this physical body, if you've been a good, you know, a decent person, you don't have to be a perfect person. You're in a much better position. You're lighter. You feel no pain. You don't age. You don't get sick. You don't have to worry about money. None of that. So let us carry on with what um, he saw. So as I was saying, the Reverend G. Val Owen, also, the same thing as, as this person said, it took him years. Reverend G. Valen took it, it years for him to believe what he was reading. And, so, and even in my case, I tried to explore what, why I, you know, answers the questions I couldn't answer. And it took me a long time to fully understand that there really was a spirit world that's this close to us. I always thought there was, there was something superior to us, but I, I felt it was far away and remote. But now that I understand that we are in the midst of everything, it, it is a revelation. I'm not sure many of you out there knew that much before I ever did. So the fourth is these visions contain veritable facts entirely unknown to me, which nevertheless proved to be true on investigation. And some of the facts were of a personal private character known only to the dead man and one living person, and the latter admitted the truth. Further, there were certain references which, to the writer, were unintelligible, but were recognized by the living person to whom they were related. Now, the other communications were obtained by automatic writing, with the exception of the first two or three. I was in a complete trance and was quite ignorant of what was written until I became normal again. The possibility of their being the product of my conscious mind is thus eliminated. With regard to the subconscious self, I would like to take this opportunity of protesting that while I am prepared to admit that such a thing does exist, I nevertheless hold that in most cases, the word is a bogey set up by scientists to explain phenomenon which they are unable to explain by the ordinary material laws in which they are unwilling to ascribe to spirit influences. This was written more than 100 years ago, and the same is true today. I'll give you an example. Sometimes when people are visited by a spirit, they, they become paralyzed. And scientists say, well, this is sleep paralysis. And, of course, by, by giving it a, an official name, sleep paralysis, it's like, and we don't know what causes it, but that's what it is, sleep paralysis. It's, it, and they just completely you know, forget the fact that there's a spirit world affecting us. And that's happened to me. I've had sleep paralysis. And I remember I was in a hotel room on the island of Kos in Greece. I was probably uh, 20 or 21. And I was laying in bed and I could hear the dogs barking far away. And then a dog would bark closer and closer and closer. And then I tried to move and I could not move. I could not move my foot. I couldn't move anything. And I just I used the all of my, my power to try and move. And then all of a sudden, I was caught into a vision. And I still resisted it. And then finally, it, it fell away. Now, I was totally awake the whole time. 
It wasn't sleep paralysis. It wasn't my subconscious. It was something that scientists can't understand. So they just put a, a name to it and then they, they compartmentalize it and put it away because, and I, I understand completely, most scientists, there are exceptions, like someone like Dr. Gary Schwartz, right, who's really uh, investigating the spirit world and communication with spirits. Most don't want to see this, but it is true. And this is what the great thing about the internet is a lot of people's NDEs, just like this author exposed, they're, they're giving them facts that no one else would know. And, and they're given visions of the future that happened. Same thing with my wife, visions of the future that happened. And I was, I witnessed it happening. And she told me that more than a year before. And these were like specific visions. These were not, these were not, oh, you're going to, you know, travel, right? That type of, of stuff. No, this is very specific. Therefore, that's how I got, that's why I became, a believer in the spirit world. So let me carry on with his introduction. Now, here's gives an example of something he was told. I'll, I'll read. As an example of this, but not the only example, the following may be noted is given by JBP. I don't know who that is. I'm only going to give you the name of a friend I met in the city. He is a Baptist, not a Congregationalist. His name is Richard Gresham Barker, born October 20th, 1807, and was Sheriff of Nottingham and a colliery manager at Babington near Notes. He died June 21st, 1892. His brother, John, was twice mayor of Nottingham. It was only after considerable search that Mr. K was able to prove these facts to be correct, even to the minutest detail. And so it's very interesting, is it not? But I'll carry on with the author. But without devoting more space to these problems, for those who desire veritable evidence, may obtain it from any ordinary spiritualist society. Let us turn to consider the matter given into these pages. Now, the original work, the original plan of the work, as arranged by HJL, this was the person who passed over and wanted to kind of show him how he wanted to do it, was going to be this. A, as seen by a bad man, the officer, which I will get into that. That is fascinating what he saw. B, as seen by an average man of the world, WA. And then he was going to talk about the spirit plane divided into, now this is very interesting. One, hell or the realm of unbelief related by the officer, which can correspond to the dark abyss, right? And as in spiritism, which is below the crest of the earth. Of course, now, I, I like to say here, no one is ever for, you know, eternity into hell, right? You're only there until you change your attitude and your outlook and your character, you know, and, you know, and your, how you treat other people, then you can rise up. B, um, number two, the realm of half belief, which is interesting. This is probably more of some part of the lower zone or umbral, as they call it in Portuguese. Then, number three, this is very interesting, the realm of belief lacking in works. What this is may be, this may be like one of the first levels of heaven when you're there, but you're not actually doing anything. We'll explore this more, but you're learning. And then number four, the realm of, the realm of, of belief shown forth in works related by the monk. So this is probably the realm where people actually go and they serve and they help others. 
I'll carry on with what he said. Owing to the enhanced cost of production due to the war, he's talking about World War One. it was found necessary to reduce the book to a manageable size. So to do this, we were reluctantly compelled to publish only the astral plane, hell, and the realm of half-belief, as these were set forth in full. So then we'll carry on. The realm of half-belief, lacking in worth, works, as depicted by J.B.P., is much brighter than the realm of half-belief, the light being as the light in England at about 8 a.m. on a summer's day. Again, we have this confluence with spiritism. Spiritism tells us that the dark abyss, then you have the the, the lower zone, and you have the, so, you know, the subsequent levels of heaven. And as you go up each level, it becomes brighter and brighter. And someone who, due to the law of affinity, can only exist on, let's say, level one of heaven, can't really go to level two. And these Now, again, I will say I'm naming these levels with numbers. And these numbers were used in the works by Jeeva, one of the spirits, talked of these works. He said other people can use other numbering systems. These are just how we're using to you for us, all these different spirits, for us to be specific, right? And coherent. So the other ones could say different levels, and he's talking about different levels. But he he's even saying there's different light. And yes, this is this is recorded constantly in every spiritist literature I've read from from Val Owen, Devaldo Franco, uh, Chico Xavier, Yvonne Piera, and even near-death experiences. So to this realm, now he's talking about um the realm of belief lacking in works. To this realm go all those whose faith was strong, but narrow and rather bigoted, and who failed as many do to act up fully to their beliefs. In the lowest division of this realm, the spirits are still strong believers in their own particular sect, Catholics, Jews, Protestants, whatever, right? And there is marked tendency for them to remain there segregated into narrow communities. Their principal failings are self-complacency and an unwillingness to make any effort to progress higher, being often well satisfied with their surroundings. And a perfectly apt description of what Spiritism says are the lower levels of heaven, where they talk about, they talk about, about levels one, two, and three. You're still, you're still affected by the culture of the earth. And you still think that your culture, your religion, your beliefs, right? They're the right ones. Everyone else, and you know, when you're having, you know, you may be polite and nice to these people, but they don't believe like you do, and you're you're the one that's right. And then, of course, as you go higher in heaven, you have to learn that no, we all we all, you know, work for God, right? You know, Jesus Christ is the leader of our whole surrounding heavens, the leader of our planet. He is who we look for in order to understand God, because even if you're in heaven, and as the spirits tell us, they don't understand God almost any, as well as we understand God, right? You still don't understand God when you're still in those, you know, those beginning levels of heaven, even up, even the ones up in the highest level, you know, kind of below Jesus, even they say, we don't really understand God. So it's very interesting. So that's, this is what happens. So again, this is what spiritism says. So these people, for them to rise, they need to learn more about the organization and the workings of the spirit plane. First of all, there's been re, you know, reports by the 
mother of Chi Baon, who was talking to him as, you know, she was a spirit. In the lower levels, you, you learn how to create with your mind, right? You learn, you know, you learn about the, the physics, right? And how things work in, in, in the spirit world. In the higher schools, you learn how to tap into the, the data, right? The, the universal database where everything is recorded. Every one of our thoughts, everything is recorded. There's all these things you learn about. Now, that's in my book, Spirits, uh, book two, uh, you know, uh, the uh, Spirits in the Spirit Universe. Now, now th th then he says, in the next division, which is the, uh, the realm of belief lacking in works, those who have come up from the realm of half-belief, like JBP, do not drift into the narrow sex of the lower division. They arrive freed of preconceived prejudices and devote considerable attention to the study of various faiths they find there and endeavor to draw from each the vital truths which are enshrined in them. Some of the most existing revelations J, uh, JBP made were that God's exist or at any rate the form of gods and condescend to answer the prayers of their worshipers in particular he describes a service in the great egyptian temple at which orisis appeared similarly he has visited a hindu temple where kartaika the god of war presided now very interesting he, he said that so this may be his little bit lack of understanding of the different manifestations of higher spirits to these people on lower levels and what we consider, and what we consider to, to us, a higher spirit. I mean, most people, let's say, if you're a Catholic, you believe, you know, Jesus is right up there with God and he has all this power. And yes, Jesus has all this power. And even his ministers, such as Socrates, who, who, three of them tell us he's going to be reincarnated pretty soon, has enormous power. Just like Jesus, he has enormous power to do things. Look how strong he was. And he had this communication all the time with the, with the spirit world. Not as much power as Jesus, because Jesus is a superior spirit to Socrates. But still, they have the power of their mind. And in the spirit world, these people have enormous, so they can create buildings, mountains, lakes, rivers, and groups of them, you know, groups of them, with Jesus Christ as one of the uh, leader of the groups, created our whole solar system formed our planet. So this is how much power they have. So then he also gave a most, I'm already um, quoting here again, he also gave a most striking account of the library in the realm of belief. These libraries are on so vast a scale that they look like cities, and there are many of them, of course, but each is divided into three sections. The first contains the forms of books which have ceased to exist. By this, by, I mean by this actual volumes themselves. Of course, all books do not come to us. Many go to hell. I, I don't know about that, but we'll see. So, it's, you know, these are these are spirits talking as well as they can. The Saxon section is very different. For in it, the books are not the form of books made on earth, but those created here. The best way in which I can describe them is to compare them with picture books. In short, they contain ideas in the picture form and can be read by us just as the thought pictures of our friends can be understood by us, few books are written for the first time over here in script. Let me carry on with this. I know there's a, a person with NDE who went, he said, like to some sort of universal library, and he could just touch the book and he would know what was in it, right? And again, this is what this person is, is saying. Now, I believe Jesus Christ also had this power. 
the great Brazilian medium, Chico Xavier, who is a wonderful person, had you know all sorts of mediumistic ability, wrote more, uh, psychographed more than 450 books. He could put his hand on a book. He would, or a magazine, whatever. He would know, he would instantly understand information in it, and he would, he would know the feelings of the author who wrote it. He said, I don't know how I can do that, but I can. And it's, this is again, what they're saying here. You just, you know, it's just, it's all of a sudden information sent to you. Now, I believe a lot of this is as you, it's one of the attributes. And as you get more and more of these tools in your, you know, your, your, your tool case is you have this ability to, you know, to, to portal in, right. Connect to this information almost instantaneously. This, this is what's waiting for you when you're a spirit. And this is why going through and learning about, you know, how to be better in life, studying spiritism is worth it because it, just think what you could do in that universal library. It's amazing. So the third type are difficult to describe as books at all for the picture has been carried out to its logical conclusion. The ne nearest thing to it on earth is the modern picture palace. Oh, so what he's saying is these are 3D films, 4D films. He says, imagine a large room. At one end is a kind of stage on which performs what at first sight appear to be real men and women. These are thought forms strongly visualized by the committee of scholars in charge of the room. Thus, an episode of history will be enacted in all its details before our eyes. How many times have we read near-death experiences where a person went to like a table and there's other people around it and they were given, you know, they're given their life review or episodes from the life review. And they said, I saw this. And not only I saw the people, I saw what I was thinking. I understood what I was thinking. And I, I heard and understood what others were thinking as I was talking to them. Spiritism explains this. Spiritism tells us that everything is recorded. All our thoughts are recorded. How could you create this movie of different episodes of a person's life if you didn't have an enormous amount of data? So all that's recorded. So they can pull that back. They can say, I want October 11th to 12th, right? And play back what this person did. And they can bring this data in and show it in, in like in live real detail people interacting with other people and what they were thinking, feeling, and planning in their mind, right? Where they think, oh, I don't like this person in their, in their mind. That would all be exposed. This is the scary part about spiritism. Nothing is hidden. That's why when I tell people, if you really want to study and, and improve yourself, don't just keep your mouth shut and not say anything. You got to change your, you got to rewire your brain. You got to, you know, I say this many times when I first started studying spiritualism, I, you know, I'd go through walk to work and, you know, through the streets of Seattle and go, oh, that bum, right? And I finally decided, no. And then I got to the point where I said, I, that poor person made wrong decisions. God bless you, right? I didn't just, you know, narrowly and meanly, you know, you know, dispatch and put that person out of my, out of my caring. You know, not that I did or anything any positive for them i may have given them food or something like that but you know not as much probably i should have but i didn't dismiss them and just put them to like the never world like oh you should just be gone right 
this is what we need to learn as spiritualists because everything we think is recorded. So I'll carry on what the author said. The realm of belief shown forth in works is seldom attained immediately after death. Thus, to reach it, a man must not have only been endowed with a strong faith, but must have risen above any narrowness of spirit and, moreover, have lived a life full of love of his fellow men. His faith must have been shown forth in good works. Indeed, those who so attain it may well be considered here to have been saints on earth. To this realm, the spirits after death rise, but often by slow degrees, and once there must remain a very considerable period. The light there is as the tropical sun at midday, and less advanced spirits would be unable to bear it. Again, totally true. As you go up, the light becomes more, and if you're if you're not at that level, you're at a level below, if you try to go to the next level, you're so uncomfortable, you, you can't take it. And the spirits who are there, when they come down to, let's say, your level, uh, you know, a slightly you know, lower level than they were, they will look bright to you unless they actually change and and with their mind, change their, their ratio of energy and matter, making less energy and more matter like you are, then they will appear normal. But that's why when... You know, we've had these people in the Bible and other people, they see these bright angel-like characters. They are higher spirits who shine, not because they, they emanate brightness from themselves, but because they reflect the love of God. They have so much love in their heart that instead of light and being dark around them, as, as you would see in regular people here on earth, but they reflect so much love that the light shines and you, it's hard for you to make out their face. And sometimes they're so bright, that's why they think they have wings. So, so, so again, this is perfectly correct. Some of the interpretations may be wrong, but it's directionally correct. I'll carry on the quote. The development of the various religious beliefs toward unity is set forth plainly in the plan contained in this work. But it should be borne in mind that this unity is attained not by watering down all face, the one nebulous creed, but by the absorption into one community of all the facets of truth which each faith held, while what is false is shed. Now, let me speak to that. That's true, but a little bit misunderstanding. So when, when, you, when you've read or someone, you know, the scholarly uh, treatises on different religions and you know this is what this religion stole from this and you know you know jesus you know had the blood of sacrifice and zoroaster did the same thing and you know all this is they and yes that's true but once you understand spiritism zoroaster buddha socrates lao zo um all these people more than that these are just some right they all came as, as on a mission from Jesus Christ to try and talk to the culture and time that they were here on earth as well as they could and tell them what they must do. And if you look at, you know, from the, from the Quran, from the, you know, from the books in Buddha and, you know, and, and the Bible, it's, they all have like, in Socrates, they all have the idea of the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. It's kind of, the text may be different, but it's all the same. 
That is because they came from the same. So when the author says, well, they, they, they get the, the truth with each faith, faith held, it's really the correct way of saying it is they get rid of the, of the, uh, the, the, the evolution of, of, the, of you know, the creed or whatever it is that was slowly corrupted by humans and to get back to the original truth, which is all the same as the upper, the upper truth by Jesus Christ about God, you know, reincarnation, how we ascend and all that, right? So that's, that's why um, people can say that, no, we all have to love each other. Because think of it. And think, why do we have to love each other? Why do we have to be nice? Why do we have to go through all these trials on earth? Well, because think of the power of Jesus Christ. Think of the power of high spirits, how they can use their mind and create, create planets, right? As a group together, a group of lesser spirits can create buildings. That's a lot of power. Do you want someone who is mean, is angry, and can, you know, just lose his temper on a moment to have that much power? No. We are being trained to become productive members of the spirit society. This is why we go through what we go through on earth. We're like middle-aged schools, right? 13, 14-year-olds. You all know, it's amazing. I can't believe as a kid that age, I lived through it, right? Because you're not that smart. Some people are, but I wasn't. So, but that's what we're going through, right? We're learning how to control ourselves and, and better ourselves. I'll carry on what he said. The spirits in this plane devote themselves very largely to helping their fellow men, especially in hell, and continuously journey down to that place to save those who are in bondage. Again, you can read all about that in the books by Andre Louise. There's, there's like 14 books, I think, or 13. Um, psychographed by Chico Xavier about... Henri Luis going in different places on earth, helping people who need it, and also into the dark abyss, which they, they call hell, but really is not eternal. Then he says, the monk Ambrose, who died in the 14th century, devoted most of his life to this work, and at length obtained his desire, and passed through the wall of fire, and was lost to us. Animal lovers would be glad to know that his faithful dog followed him through the wall of fire. With him passed also the spirit of a woman whom he had always loved, but being a monk could never marry on earth. So they passed through the wall of fire as light as it was described to the mystic union of soul with soul, which is understood takes place in the regions which lie beyond the wall of fire. What is this great wall of fire which cuts off the sixth or spirit plane from that which lies beyond? I am unable to answer this question, but some spirits call it the second death. So I'm not quite sure what he means by that. It just could mean, it could just mean a pretty well delineation between, between some level. So I'm not sure what he means by that. Um, so let me carry on what he says. The second de death takes place only when the spirit is ready and anxious to pass on. It appears to affect the form, which seems to pass more completely under the control of the entity, but the entity itself is not destroyed. This is made clear by an angelic form who guarded the entrance leading from the realm of belief lacking in works to the highest realms. For when J... JBP questioned him on this point, informed that he had passed through the wall of fire long before and had now returned to labor on the sixth plane, adding, but on this plane, forms are needed, and therefore we assume one. Okay, now, now I understand what he's talking about. When he's talking about form. So let me bring up this 
this uh, picture for you to for everyone to understand because uh, this is this is important. He talks about you lose your form. So what are we here on Earth? We are composed of of three things: the spirit, the paraspirit, and the body. Now the spirit is our is our personality, and, and you'll see a lot of this, is our personality. It's, it's the logical construct of our character, all our past experiences. It is us. The paraspirit is the form, or the form of how we think we should look. And the paraspirit, when we are in here incarnated on Earth, the paraspirit covers the body like an invisible diving suit, and it goes into and connected to every cell in the body. Now, when you die, there's a cord cut from your paraspirit to your physical body. When that cord is cut, that's when your physical body decomposes. And when you then you go to, say, to uh, one of the lower levels of heaven. Your paraspirit carries on the form as you thought you looked in the incarnated, the physical world. The paraspirit will still retain the form of how you like a human form for yourself. You may have different forms. There's human-like, you know, people on other planets. But let's say here on Earth, you're still in your human form. But over time, you can make your body look the way you want. You can make your hair look better. You can make your eyes, you know, green or blue, brown, whatever you want. I, you know, I can get rid of my bald spots, right? I can look younger. And what they spirits say is that in the spirit world, the younger become more, you know, you know, young adult, right? Or middle age, however you want to look at yourself. It's usually people pick between 20s and 40s and the older become younger, right? Young become older and the older become younger because that's how you start to look and you, you conceive of yourself. You also can make your own clothes through your mind. And you have this, <clears throat> you, you retain this, this, picture of this form and therefore you, you retain your paraspirit now as you go higher you understand you don't really need your physical form you are the spirit you are this logical construct and though for those higher higher and higher in level you just you have your spirit as an example i talk about this in my book heaven and below on the section about jesus in the spirit realm Spirits say, when Jesus comes and visit, and this is different levels within the heavens around the earth. The spirit says, I have seen him multiple times, and he looks different every time I see him. And so it's one time Jesus came as a child, another time as this huge giant, another time the, during this, this one point where Jesus went and divided himself and talked to multiple groups at once he, he said he saw he saw when he, he could see just like this high speed going to multiple groups and so this is where you know, this is where when you become this logical construct you can do so much more now we had a question here is sacred geometry sounds similar to this narrative kind of yes right no it's math based right it's this logical base it's, you know, if you kind of think of the universe as programming to a certain extent and data and connections and geometry, it, it starts to make sense because it's the other thing that spirits tell us is we on here on earth, 
we are in the objective world, meaning a wall is a wall. It's objective. We can't change it. What, what we think about that object doesn't make a difference. That object is that object. In the spirit world, as you go up, you go into the subjective, meaning that your mind can affect your surroundings. What you see is what you want to see. Then from the subjective, you go to the sublime. I think that's when you're like almost, you know, energy like, like Jesus Christ, your pure spirit. So I hope that um, explains that to people. And so he said, let me go back. Oh, this is when he, he talked to the person who was uh, leading from one section to the other. He says, but on this plane, forms are needed, and therefore we assume once. See, so this high spirit says, okay, I'll just take my pair of spirit, and I'll look like I used to look in life number 12 or whatever. This is not my original form. It is not the form of an earthly man, but that of an angel. I created it by willing to do so. And as I think myself, so I assume a form. If I desired, I could assume the form of an animal or of a flame. Behold, and JBP said, before my eyes, it's the form of a flame. The pillar of fire, I cried. As, as I spoke, he seemed to change at once, became like a cloud. Then the cloud became a light, and once more I saw him in his angel shape. Cannot the evil spirits do this also, I inquired? And he says, the officer has described something similar. We'll get into that one. But anyway, so yes, so what he said is, as you go higher, you don't need your old form because you are you are pure energy and logic. That's why spirits, when they describe us, they describe they say, "Oh, that's a personality." They don't describe someone and say, "Oh, this guy is about six feet tall, uh, you know, with red hair, and um, you know, in a color of gold." No, because that person, just like this guy did before JPP, he can change himself. You describe the personality because that's the only thing you have to hang on to. So be carry on uh, the quote. The, this angelic being, while refusing to give any details of what lay beyond the wall, yet he stated emphatically that the personal entity was not destroyed, though the form was affected. Beyond this, I have been unable to obtain any information. The spirits on the sixth plane do not know, and the guardian spirits who come thither from the higher spheres refuse to speak. Well, it may not be able to speak, and it may be that that they, if they tried to tell you, they wouldn't understand. And I've seen that in other cases in different levels of heaven. They, you know, you can, it, it, you can, you can't really explain to them. In fact, in one of the books by G. Val Owen, a high spirit was, you know, G. Val Owen says, "Can you explain what your what your." which your house looks like on the 10th level of heaven. And the spirit says, okay, this would be trying, this would be like trying to tell a fish in the Thames River what the House of Parliament looked like. I can't do it. And so this is, so this is something I know that a lot of us don't want to hear, but there's so much we cannot understand and we just have to accept that, right? In the spirit's book, right away it says, Will we understand God? No, you're not able to understand God. And the spirits even tell us, even when you get in the spirit plane, you're really not able to understand God until you get higher and higher and higher, right? So then he says, we are informed that there are seven planes in all. Of course, this can be 
but how or how you want to number it, right? The spirits and Jiva. Alan said 10. They said other people use other ones. There's, you know, there's all ranges. So then the author said this work deals with the two lowest only. And since these higher planes must be must be peopled, it appears more likely the most exalted spirits rise higher and higher without the need of reincarnation, whereas more lowly spirits need to return to earth to develop certain characteristics. Again, this wonderful person, let me get back to uh, behind this one. This is from JSM Ward. Um, it's right on. See, this is what's so interesting about people. You know, this is a medium who was not, didn't know anything about spiritism, and yet he is telling us, you know, not all perfectly, no, but very well. He says, yeah, it looks like the higher you go, you don't need to reincarnate. Now, it's mainly true. So this, let me explain this. Why do we reincarnate? Why do we come to earth? We come to earth to improve ourselves and to get rid of our primitive emotions and replace them with advanced civilized emotion. You get rid of hate and envy. You pull all, all that out and replace it with love, charity, and fraternity. As it's so each time you reincarnate, you become better and better. Well, okay, I shouldn't say that. A lot of times you can park, you can go life after life and do nothing. It's up to you. Do you want to do better? What I have been told, and I believe this is true, is that at some point in time, the light turns on and you go, you know what? I, I shouldn't be such a selfish person and try to be and learn something here on earth. And then you start shooting up more of an exponential curve than more of a, you know, a sloping upward curve, which I think I have done because I've been told that in my previous lives, I have been just a waste of time, right? So... In fact, anything I've been told about my previous lives has always been negative. So, you know, imagine dealing with that. So, again, now he says these higher spirits don't need to reincarnate. True. But they do. And in fact, and some of the, they, it's like Socrates. He came, what, 400 BC? And he's supposed to be coming again. So that's 2,000, let's say 2,500 years, you know, 2,400 years difference. Some people will reincarnate every 300, 400 years. They'll come to do missions. They'll come to be, to give us uh, beacons of light, examples on earth. There is in this great book by uh, Devaldo Franco, The Planetary in Transition, in which he talks about these these people coming from other more advanced planets volunteering to come to earth to be reincarnated as doctors, politicians, teachers, you know, doctors who care about their patients, politicians who care about their, the people they're responsible for, right? Teachers who, you know, you know, they're not driven by money or power. They're driven by love and service. They're, they volunteered to come here. They didn't have to, to help this earth move to a planet of regeneration. So again, so again, this, he is right. Now carry on. Oh, here's a question. What about my father and mother? Does it reincarnate with me? So this is, I have done uh, 
YouTube videos on this and I have articles about it. And I've also have books on it. You might want to see the case for reincarnation. I have, I think I have a link in that. Uh, once you see this video is what happens is people reincarnate in family groups. And I could go on a lot about this, but in quick summary, the law of affinity puts like to like, right? And that these people are, um, you know, maybe in the same spirit colony or whatever, they will reincarnate, you, you know, the husband, wife. I've been told I've been a husband, my wife and I have been together for multiple lives. And that there's a great talk by uh, Geraldinho talking about, you know, this one book called uh, 50 Years After about the husband and wife and how there were, you know, uh, a woman and her maid, you know, tried to break them apart because the woman wanted the man and so on and so forth. And how the husband and wife were spouses in previous lives. And in fact, one of the lives in the 20th century, the wife, the woman who wanted the, the wife's husband and the maid both came as their children. So yes, you could have the same mother and father or not depending on your plan for your life sometimes. Yes. Same thing with spouses. Sometimes spouses will be together in a couple lives and then a spouse will say, you know, I think it's better we are apart this life because one spouse was helping the other too much in one area and the other person really needed to grow in that area without that crutch. So I hope that explains that. So uh, let me finish this. So, so even in the highest realm of spirit plane is so exalted that the monk declared that much of the information he could give would be beyond us on earth. And therefore, much of the, therefore devoted most of his narrative to accounts of his missionary work in hell. So anyway, that is the introduction from JSM Ward. And I will get into it. I will get into this more in later streamings. I'll, again, I'll try to do this at, at um, 5 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays. Now, I'll uh, answer some questions here. So how are there spirits that are higher than Jesus? So let's talk about that. So Jesus, Jesus is a spirit. Jesus, who is a wonderful spirit, started like us. This, this may seem amazing to people. Started as a primitive spirit, went through a, a you know a primitive planet, a planet of atonement, a planet of regeneration, a happy world, a divine world, etc. He, you know, he's probably billions of years. He is, he's an immortal spirit, but he's probably been learning for billions of years, becoming a better and better person as he has more and more responsibilities. Jesus is in charge. Now, I can't remember if it's four or five planets, right? So he has multiple planets he's in charge of, and he helped create this whole solar system. There are spirits in charge of, of constellations, you know, kind of things, spirals off the galaxy. There's a spirit in charge of our galaxy. There are spirits in charge probably of groups of galaxies. There's spirits probably in charge of this, our physical uh, universe here. There's other universes we don't see. There are higher spirits that have and they have ascended higher than Jesus Christ. So it makes sense when you see that Jesus wasn't said as, as stated, you know, God created, you know, just God created Jesus out of nothing. No, Jesus, Jesus, God creates spirits. 
They don't tell us exactly how it creates spirits. I believe in a lot of hints I've seen is there these are these logical constructs that become more and more sophisticated and then eventually they're into animals and from then they get into they're given more and more free will and and we we here we humans on earth are given the gift of free will that is the greatest gift that god can give a spirit is we have our free will to be to be what we want to be right no one's going to force us in heaven to do something we we can say no we want to say where we are so that is that is why there are spirits higher than jesus there are spirits that have learned quicker there are spirits that have been around and of course there's no really time but there's you know in different states in the universes but that is the explanation of spiritism and that is what we've been told by multiple mediums um in from spiritism all the way from from alan kardec to you know chico xavier died in i think 2002 the devolver franco who, uh, franco who's still alive today now i understand that's not an easy concept because we are taught that you know jesus is you know is kind of on a par with god and that is okay because this for a reason for us to think that because what we are told by the spirit by the spirits is if you can if you want to even try to understand the concept of god you first have to understand jesus christ who is a pure spirit you have to understand him then you can start beginning to uh, to begin to understand god and the power of of jesus christ is immense there was this one section in one of the books by uh by um reverend g val owen and this guy was saying he was in this this church like you know this temple and jesus was coming by and as he went by each person he gave them a flower and he held the end of the flower and then the person held the other end of the flower and he says as he did that he could just feel that he was the only person in the room that was important to jesus and that jesus knew him and that he, if there was problems vexing him that all of a sudden they would be solved just with that touch of jesus and he said jesus used this flower because if i had touched him directly he is composed of so much energy i would have been blown the smithereens now i don't know if that's you know if he just said that but it, it was he would have you know his probably his logic would have been you know cast off and he would have to reconstitute him probably or something like that but he said no he's composed of so much energy i could not i could not have touched him directly and in fact what spirits spiritists tell us that when jesus was on earth and he was just this fantastic if you if you ever investigate what the power of chico xavier's were he could read minds as i said before he could touch a book and know what's going on you can see why the apostles um, were just amazed at him and in fact in the book in um uh, uh memoirs of suicide by yvonne piera this one spirit says oh, you know he was he, you know he was there and he says jesus when he gave like the sermon of the mount and when he talked to people the people who believed would have visions in their mind this is how powerful jesus was on earth this is why this is why this guy this fisherman i'm sorry carpenter paul was uh, peter was a fisherman this carpenter had this power and this is why people reacted so anyway the people who who believed would have these visions this is why he could keep these crowds together for hours and hours 
the people who did not believe were just there, I don't know, for some reason, they just heard the words. So, and the other thing they said about Jesus, you, you know, so this is, if you really look at the real Jesus talked about spiritualism, it's just amazing. Anyway, I just want to say thank you for everyone for being with me uh, today. I'll try to do this at 5 o'clock Eastern, uh, 6 o'clock real time. And we'll continue on with more from Gone West, three narratives of after-death experiences. God bless all of you. God bless.